wonderful name. We thank you because you are a majestic God. And at this time that we gather to speak to you and to hear from you, we ask that you will open the eyes of our understanding that we may hear the word of your spirit, Father. Speak to us, extend your arms of grace and healing and power to each and every one of us here. We praise you in the name of Christ. Amen. I would like to share with you this morning some principles that have been transforming our lives, our church, and even our community. And uh, these are principles that even though we as, as believers for so many years uh, hear them, sometimes it just doesn't click. Well, this that I'm going to share with you this morning clicked in my life a little while ago. And I believe I was sharing with the pastor that if, if Forest Baptist Church and any other church that is seeking to get to the next level in reaching out to its community, as I think you are, if you begin to ask the Lord and apply once you understand, I believe that you will see many, many, many people being transformed and the community change as I know it is the desire of this church. Amen? So this is going to be, we're going to be sharing about the kingdom of God and its gospel. The kingdom of God and its gospel. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 and 20 through 25, and then we'll look at some other scriptures. And uh, uh, just, just get a hold of the principles, amen? Um, we, uh, as, as you are, we, we live in a world where in every corner, in every community, in every institution, there is a daily and deadly fight taking place. This is a fight that seeks to establish a kingdom committed to ultimate spiritual destruction. We cannot be blind, deaf to this reality. This is a kingdom that seeks to enslave people, impoverish people, impoverish families, destroy communities, rape our children, and step on every single moral value. This is the kingdom where all of us come from. This is where we were born. This is where we were raised. And this is where we come from. It is, the Bible says, the realm where Christ delivered us from. The Bible speaks of this realm that through Christ's power, through resurrection, we were delivered from. The Bible says that our Lord Jesus saved us from the power of sin in our lives, and spiritually transported us to another realm. Transported us to a new kingdom. And Paul in Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So now we have this battle there is the kingdom of, of, of darkness. There is the kingdom of heaven. And yet, most of us as believers, if we are asked, and I've tried asking pastors where I live, if we ask, describe what is the kingdom of God. Most, even pastors, do not know what you're talking about. 
Most believers these days do not even know how to express and much less live effectively the kingdom of God. And this is what we want to talk about this morning. My life has truly changed and I hope that yours can change as well. What is the kingdom of God? A a basic definition of the kingdom of God is this. Any realm, any realm where Christ the king reigns. It's as simple as that. Any realm where Christ the king reigns, there is the kingdom of God. And so the moment you gave your life to Jesus, the moment you surrendered to Christ, the moment he brought you into the fold, you become the kingdom. And anywhere you go, the kingdom has arrived. Anywhere you go, there is the kingdom. The problem is that we do not know it, and much less do we live it. Others don't even want to live it. They're too happy just being happy in Christ. You see? They're, they're too happy just enjoying the Christian life. Others don't want to be happy. Others just want to be content. Content in being sad. Content in asking and asking and asking. And sometimes even crying over what they do not receive. Instead of saying, I am already part of the kingdom. And what does God want me to do with this reality? You see? And so any realm where Christ the King reigns, there is the kingdom of God. Christ, in Scripture, spoke of a kingdom, obviously, which is future. It is the kingdom that we will see when everything is done. Unfortunately, this is just where our definition ends. We are all waiting with arms crossed. The church has been with arms crossed for 2,000 years plus, looking up into heaven, waiting for the kingdom of God to arrive. And in that sense, we are just allowing Satan to keep us sitting down. See, we are not active because we don't know where and how we're supposed to be active. We don't serve because we still think that the only reason Christ saved us is so we can, with arms crossed, be looking up into heaven and saying, Oh Lord, please come soon. Come and deliver me. Come and rescue me. I just can't wait for you to come, Lord. And in in our hearts, in the back of our mind, what we really are saying is, I don't give nothing about anybody else. I don't care about anybody else. You see, Christ already saved me, and as long as I, I, I am certain that he's coming for me, things are fine. So, Lord, since I have no purpose, please come back quickly and deliver me. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I'm not talking about people in Louisville. I'm talking about people in Ponce, Puerto Rico. You see? That's, that's the way they think down there. They're just there. They're just stagnant. They're just not serving anything. And they have been, along with millions and millions of believers, with arms crossed, looking up into heaven, waiting for that future kingdom to become a reality. And it is going to become a reality, but that is not all that the Bible teaches about the kingdom of God. Christ also spoke of a kingdom that is near. And he also spoke of a kingdom that had arrived. The moment Christ was born, the moment Christ was baptized, the moment Christ left the desert when he was tempted, and he came down from the hill, and he began to choose the disciples, there the kingdom began to be established. He went and he chose a couple of these guys, and he said, follow me, I am going to make you fishers of men. 
I'm going to show you what it is that I am here for. I'm going to show you what the agenda is. And the agenda is not for you just to be happy in Christ. The agenda is for us to battle and establish another kingdom. There is enough destruction already. There is enough sickness. There is enough poverty. There is enough despair. There is enough of everything wrong in this world. And we cannot allow Satan to do that. He's going to be conquered at the cross, but the kingdom starts now. And this is what the Lord came teaching. The present kingdom is that in which every single believer, saved by grace, should strive, should strive to bring to reality no matter where we live and seek to serve with all our hearts. Are you involved in the kingdom work? I'm not saying, are you coming to church? I am not saying, can you sing well? I am not saying, if you know scripture. I am not saying, if you are one of the founders of whatever church. You see what I'm saying? Because some of the founders, I don't know here, but there. You see, there, some of the founders talk, but do much. Do very little. They talk about being founders, but they find none. You see what I mean? So I'm not saying, you know, where you come from, what your spiritual pedigree is. You know, it it, it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that we understand that the kingdom has arrived. And that I am someone that is to be used in the power of the Holy Spirit to bring the kingdom into a reality. And if I do not, then what I am doing is saying to the devil, here, take the key to my home. Take the key to my family, take the key to my finances, take the key to my school, take the key to my community, take the key to everything that is around me, and you take everything to hell. The kingdom of God is that in which we, as newborn believers, should be involved in, involved with, we should be dreaming about, we should be praying about, we should be serving in 24-7. You know why there are so many Christians? I found this, man. Why, why there are so many? Let's not talk about Christians. Let's talk about us Southern Baptists, proud people. You know what I mean? We're proud people. Why there are so many Southern Baptists with no purpose, with no joy? They enjoy listening to choirs like this saying, you know. They come to my church and they go, oh, praise the Lord. But it's the moment that service is over, they go back to their boring, lifeless existence, complaining all the time. You know, you know, you, you know, you know what I mean? Complaining all the time. They don't feel joy. They, there is no power. When you ask him, what was the last time you, you, you were used of God to save someone? They don't know what you're talking about. See, they don't, because they haven't taken the time to ask the Lord how to help them and give them the power to save people around them. Therefore, they live a lifeless, purposeless existence. No joy. When you are not fulfilling God's will according to his purpose, you will have no joy. I don't need people with no joy in my church. People with no joy and with no purpose in church, they, all they do is look and who's there? And look at who's not. They look at who's wearing what. They're always talking and bickering about other people because they got nothing better to do. 
So what we do is we pray those people off. We, we send them to other churches like the cults, you know? Just go out there and mess with them, you know? We got no time. We got to save the world. We got to establish the kingdom. We got to praise God, and we have to do it through service in the power of the Spirit. And that is the reason why we have been called. And yet, many of us are still waiting for the kingdom to come. See? Waiting for the kingdom to come. This present kingdom where Christ the King reigns is characterized by honest and spiritual worship. Praise God that you can worship in this church. And it is characterized by obedience to God always on behalf of others. If you say you're a member of the kingdom of God, you need to be worshiping the right way and you need to be submitting yourself to the Lord and be obedient to the Lord and serving on behalf of a lost world. And that service begins at home with our brothers and sisters. Christ taught... Let's get into the kingdom now. Christ taught that our duty is to pray that this kingdom, that his kingdom, come here and now. Look at what Matthew chapter 6 says. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, we all know the Lord's prayer. We all know what the Lord's prayer says. We learn it as children. The Bible says... That the disciples asked Christ, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said, when you pray, you will pray this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, majestic, sublime, all-powerful God. Our Father who reigns in heaven, the King of everything, the Creator of everything. And then the next thing he says is what? Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. And may your will be done here and now just as it is in heaven. You see, in, in most, most evangelicals these days stay away from, from the Lord's Prayer. The reason why we stay away from the Lord's prayer is because we're into the deeper inner life, you know, which is great. And, and we want to grow in, in our spirituality, our, our level of, of, of praying and, and walking in the Spirit. And, and we, want to, we want to really be in touch with the Lord and really get with the Lord and let the Lord get with me, you see. And, and in trying to do that, we don't want to be repetitive, you know. That, that prayer is so, it's, it's so simple, you know. Simplicity characterizes this prayer. It is so simple. And besides that, we don't want to be like other groups, you know, like Roman Catholics in Puerto Rico. You know, they, they just repeat the word over and over. And they, you know, no meaning, right? So we want, we want for our prayers to have meaning. But in the process, we have set it aside and we have lost the main idea behind the prayer. And what Jesus is saying is, I have come to establish a kingdom. This is a kingdom that is in opposition to that other kingdom of destruction. This is a kingdom of justice. This is a kingdom of peace. This is a kingdom of hope and transformation. And if you want to be one of my disciples and my followers, you need to pray that God's kingdom come. 
God's reign, Christ's reign come. Come over what? First, may your kingdom come. And this is what we need to be praying, all of us. May your kingdom come, O Lord, over my life. Right there, that's a problem. See, because we don't want Christ's reign over our lives. You see, that's a problem. We need to stop asking the Lord, you know, or or, uh, coming to my heart. We need to stop doing that. What we need to be doing is surrendering ourselves before the Lord like slaves. Just lay there and say, Lord, do with me what you will. You see? Do with me what you will. There is no will here in me. It's just you. Do whatever you want. That is total surrender to God's Christ's cause. And so we need to pray first, come. May your kingdom come in my life. Second, may your kingdom come in my family. So many of our families are just out of whack. You know? In church, boy, we, we, you know, we leave church looking good. We leave our houses in the morning looking so good. You know, we get into our nice, clean cars with our nice, clean clothes, with our nice, clean children, and our huge Bible, and everybody's smiling. And we come through that and say, God bless you, brother. God bless you, my sister. I am so happy to be filled with the Lord as I look upon you. You know, you know, you know we, we like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then we listen to our wonderful pastor preach and this wonderful choir sing. And we leave after we hug all kinds of people. And we get in our cars and we start slapping each other. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, because Monday, Monday is coming, you see. Monday we start war again, you know? That's because Christ's kingdom, Christ's reign is not over our families. Are you getting And so I need to pray not only that his kingdom, his reign, come over my family, but also that his will, his will, what he wants, be done over me and over my family. But also over my church. There are churches that do not live in the kingdom of God. There is so much stuff going on, and none of the stuff, or most of the stuff, has nothing whatsoever to do with reaching the lost. Nothing whatsoever to do with transformation of our communities. Nothing whatsoever to do. How many times? When was the last time? And please, this, this I will ask my church, and I ask my church, and I ask them this question. When was the last time that you people who come to prayer, you people who are so faithful to our churches, when was the last time that you knelt before the Lord and started crying for our young people in this community? Truly crying, as if they were your children, as if they were your brothers and sisters. When was the last time we cried for them? But we get back into our homes and we complain to the Lord because things are tough, and the gangs and the drugs and, you know. But when was the last time we truly cried before the Lord? And so the kingdom of God, too often. It's not a reality in some of our churches. And that is what we need to change, you see. And then we say, Lord, may your kingdom come in my place of work. May your kingdom come in my community. Instead of hiding behind my door, you see, and not coming out because things are tough. Instead of complaining because the government and the police are not doing what they should be doing, I should go to the Lord and say, Lord, you are the one that needs to change this thing. Government can do nothing. Government can do nothing. Republicans, Democrats, Obama can do nothing. Obama needs the kingdom of God in his heart. You see? You see? They're not going to do anything. There's a sister 
in my church who is a, a special ed teacher, young woman. And I was teaching about the kingdom in, in, in what we call the school of servants. And she said, you know, Pastor, I am sick of my job. I hate my job. Every time I got to go to that school, it's, it's like going to hell. I hate that place. I said, why do you hate that place? He says, I hate that place because the teachers that are there, they were just, mm, mm, it's nasty. And what else? I said, the, the, the students, it's, it's, like, it's like demons, you know. It's like demons. They just, they just roam, you know. Uh, it's, it's crazy. And I said, what, what else? He says, there, there are killings in front of the school. Kids are being killed. There are gangs. They're burning, doing bonfires and burning trash cans. And it's just crazy. The parents come in the morning and they look like nuts. You know, they want to fight with everyone at 7 o'clock in the morning. And I said, I hate this job. I don't want to go there. I said, well, you know, you need to change your mentality, girl. Why has the Lord saved you and placed you where he has placed you? Stop complaining like a little girl. Stop whining. Why has the Lord place you in this place where you are supposed to be at war, and instead of saying, I can't do it, you should say, Lord, find a way. He says, what am I supposed to do? I said, well, you're going to do something. One of the things he was telling me was, she says, you know, there's this real strong smell all over the school, and no matter what they clean it with and how they clean it, there's always this very nasty smell there. And she says, what do you recommend? I said, well, First, you need to gather some of the teachers who want to pray and start praying early in the morning. Number one, those who want, ask permission. Number two, find out if someone in that school is involved in spiritism, in satanic worship. Well, they found out that the principal of the church in the closet had a, a, an altar to Satan. <laughs> in the school. In the school, a God-hater. And I said, so what are you going to do? He says, I'm afraid. I said, well, I'll tell you what you're going to do. Tomorrow morning, you're going to get up, and every day when you go park your car, you're going to stay in your car, and you're going to start praying, Lord, here is your daughter. I believe that you want to transform the school. I believe that you want to use me. And if it is just me, then it will be just me. And I pray, Father, that you will use me this morning. And I pray, Lord, that your kingdom, your reign, the reign of Christ, come this moment over my life and over my school and over the life of every student and over every teacher. I pray, Lord, that your kingdom come and reign in this school. And I pray that not Satan's will, but your will be done here. Just as it is in heaven, I want it done here. And you're going to get out of your car, and you're going to go walk in, and you're going to say, all right, world, here I am. I am Christ's ambassador. I am Christ's daughter, ready for battle. Well, as a result, as a result, the principle was kicked out. Number one, the guy that came and took his place is a Christian. Not a faithful Christian, but a Christian. You know, at least let them pray. See? Number three. No more killing of kids. Number four, no more burnings. Number five, kids are like nice and easy. They're learning. There's peace. Now, can you bring that concept into your community? 
Can you bring that concept into any, any, anywhere that you work and that you live? That is precisely what Christ was talking about. May your kingdom come. But I got to be willing to jump in the water and say, Lord, you don't use me. Use us as the church. Some of the groups that went, uh, and, and, and I know they suffered, man. I, I know they suffered. We took them to this community outside of the town where we were in, and we were having this uh, summer camp there for kids. This is a community where there's drug addiction, there's homosexuality, there is incest, there is, there is so many drugs and dysfunctional families, and the kids are very mean, and, and the kids are, I mean, they're all marked, and, and kids are getting shot and everything. And, and we brought a, a bunch, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if Michelle was there, it was just crazy, you know. I feel bad for the guys. I feel bad for the group. We try to give them a good time in Puerto Rico, you know, but I know they were suffering, you know, because it was just not a nice welcome in this place. Well, we've kept at it. We've kept praying God's kingdom to come. This Friday, our associate pastor, his wife, and the rest of the team, Jose and the young people and the musicians, they all went there after a whole week of vacation Bible school. Kids have changed tremendously. When they made the altar call at night, all the kids came forward with all the parents, accepting Christ as their Savior. Is it because we're smart? No. We've been at it. But we do not give up. And we believe that it is Christ's will that is being done in communities like this. You see? Communities that have no hope, no hope whatsoever. Okay, so Christ did not just come preaching the gospel, people. Here we go. Christ did not just come preaching the gospel. As I was growing up, people would say, you need to witness. And witness what? And they would say to me, let's go preach the gospel of salvation. Well, that is okay and it's not okay. Because Christ did not come preaching the gospel of salvation. Christ came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. There's a big difference. When you preach just the gospel of salvation, you are only worried about saving the soul of that particular person. You see? And Christ loved more than the soul. The Bible says in Colossians 1, 15 and on, it says that Christ came to redeem all things. And so the way, the Hebrew way of thinking is, I'm going to save your soul, but I also am going to help you fix your house. And I'm also going to teach you how to make money. And I'm also going to teach you how to come out of debt. And I'm also going to teach you how to raise children. And I'm also going to be careful and I'm going to be caring for your health. You see, Christ is interested in the whole person. That is salvation according to the Hebrew way. According to the way Christ came. That is why we preach the gospel, not just of salvation, but the gospel of the kingdom. And let me show you in Matthew chapter in Matthew chapter. Four, verse 23. Can you put it up, brother? Can you put it up? It says, Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. First it says, teaching, and then it says, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And as a result of the gospel of the kingdom, not just the gospel of salvation, what happened? Healing? What? Every disease. Is that what it says? 
And the next verse, and sickness among the people. If you keep reading after that, it says, and people follow him. The moment Forest Baptist Church starts to preach the gospel of the kingdom, automatically, you should expect healing. You should expect for people to get healed. You should expect for the demon possessed to be freed. And the word will spread and people will want to be here. See? But how does that start? It starts with you and it starts with me. It's not just the, 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 the pastors that are supposed to be doing this job. This is what the Bible teaches about the gospel of the kingdom. He went throughout teaching and preaching, healing every disease and sickness among the people, taking care of the demon possessed. This is nothing except, this is simply what was taught in Isaiah 61. When Christ said the spirit, the, the prophet speaking of Christ says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And why is the spirit of the Lord upon me? Well, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and the Lord has sent me to do a bunch of things. Right? I have been anointed to proclaim good news to the poor, and he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom to the captives, and release prisoners from prison. This is what we all should be doing. I am not happy as a believer if two things are happening in my church. I cannot be happy. No believer, I think, should be happy. I am not happy if people are not being saved. If people are not being saved, something's wrong. Somebody's not doing their job. You see? Somebody's not doing their job. And I blame myself, number one. And number two, if we are preaching the gospel of the kingdom, if we are calling and praying Christ's kingdom over our church and families and community, then healing should take place. And I mean healing. Some of the guys were there, and they preached. I think Tina, I forgot who else was there, and... This brother, his leg was about to be cut off with the gangrene, and the Lord just healed him. He's there. His wife was healed of cancer. A month ago, brother um, Jose, ¿cuál es el apellido de él? El apellido de Novoa. Cancer. And he showed up at church and he says, here is the previous result. Here is the new result. I am totally free. That has to be a normal occurrence in our churches. It has to be a normal thing. Transformation has to take place as a result of the spiritual power that is received, that is, that is released when we as the people of God come together and pray that Christ's kingdom come over our communities, over our church. This is what happens. Let's check out uh, real quickly Matthew chapter 4. Verse, chap, Matthew chapter 11, I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 11, John the Baptist is in jail. Christ is doing his thing. And John sends disciples to speak to Jesus. And it says in verse 1, after Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. 
when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? And Jesus replied, come and report to John what you, what does it say? Hear and see. Hear and see. Those two words are very important. What was it that they reported? (laughs) It says the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Why does Jesus say hear and see? Because the Bible, the kingdom, the, the, the message of salvation, the message of the kingdom of God is to be heard and it is to be seen. You see? You know what the problem with most of our churches is? Why is it that 75% of Southern Baptist churches are either plateaued or going down? Why are so many churches closing down, no matter what, how long they, they've been up? Why is it that there's no power? Let me tell you what the secret is. And if you have not heard anything that I've said so far, just take this with you. The problem we have is that people out there, people in this community, people in Louisville, people in this whole United States, they've heard the gospel. The problem is they ain't seen. See what I mean? They're looking outside. They're looking in, and they're wondering, do they have something for me? And the answer is no, because I don't see the power. It's not relevant. I'd rather die. I'd rather shoot myself. I'd rather commit suicide. I'd rather stay, you know, living the way I'm living. I'd rather whatever. But they got nothing for me. Religion sucks. I think so, too. But when Christ comes and his kingdom is preached and salvation is the way that we've talked about and there is that anointing and there is that power, not only are they hearing it, but they are seeing it. And we need it to be seen. Amen? We need it to be seen. You are no different than we are. And I am not content with baptizing so many people every year. I want to baptize more people every year. See? I'm not just content fulfilling the quota. See? I need for transformation to take place everywhere we go. Go back and report to John what you hear and what you see. And that is what should happen in our midst. Let me finish with this. In verse 7 of this uh, Matthew 11, Jesus begins to praise John, John the Baptist. And he begins to praise John the Baptist for something very unique. He says, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John, and he says, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? Did you go out to see a man who has no character? Did you go out into the wilderness to see uh, someone who is ambivalent? You see, one day he's a strong Christian, fill of the Lord. You know, that's usually on Sundays. But probably Sunday about 4 o'clock, he's already on the other side, getting ready to live a lifeless existence from Monday to Saturday. You know what I mean? See, it's immoral one day in the spirit, but one day he doesn't know where he stands. 
Is, is that what's going on? Is, is that what you went to see? Did you, did you go to see a, 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 a person who has no commitment? Did you come to see someone who is swayed by any kind of friendship? Did you come to see anyone that is just moved by all kinds of winds of thought? And Jesus says, oh, no, 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 no. John knew what he was all about. He knew that he came to establish the kingdom. He knew what he wanted to preach. He knew what he had to do. And he knew how, and he knew when, and he knew up to what point. He knew what the message was. And Jesus here begins to exalt and praise John for not being someone that is moved about. Too many Christians being moved left to right. Too many Christians with no deep roots. They let anything, you know, they get upset. Oh, pastor didn't say hello to me. I'm going to punish that man now. No tithe for a month. I'm going to punish him, man. He's going to, he's going to, he'll remember me. I'm not going to tithe for a month, man. I'm going to punish that sucker. I'm serious. You see? <laughs> oh, his wife? Well, I don't know. What does she think? I mean, we, and we lose it so easily. And then Jesus says about John, he says, Go to the next one. Go ahead. Go ahead. No? You with me? <laughs> what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Jesus is a sense of humor. See? You see? He's saying, first of all, John was not a weakling. He was not to be swayed. Number two, John was not into himself. John had convictions. John knew that as long as he was here in this world, it was not about himself. It was not about his career. It was not about making money. It was not about being comfortable. It was not about the newest car. It was not about the best clothes. It was that's for kings who live in palaces. But this guy is a warrior for the kingdom. He's worried about, may your kingdom come. May your will be done. So that is not what John was about. And he is exalting the praises of John. Tremendous character that this man had. And boy, let me tell you, I have some lazy people in my church. I am praying that a, a, special, a special rapture come for those people. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes my prayer is, Lord, please take them. Before the devil takes them, you take them now, Lord. You know, just, just take them. Just take it. Because they do nothing. You never know where they are. And number two, all they do is they care about their own desires. They have no kingdom desire. And the church, Christ, cannot do anything with that type of, of attitude. The next thing that Christ says about John the Baptist is he says that he was a courageous type of guy. And he says it this way. He says, for many years since the beginning, the kingdom of God has experienced violence. They tried to kill Christ the moment he was born and kept trying to kill him. And up to this day, you know, people are being killed in the kingdom. And Christ says, you know what? The kingdom of God suffers violence every day. But only the violent ones are the ones that get a hold of it. I've never seen a weak Christian do nothing for Christ. You see? I've never seen a courageous lady in Christ not being blessed of the Lord. You see? Only courageous people in Christ. 
only the diligent, only the ones with the strength in the spirit to stay on course are the ones that will do anything for Jesus Christ. They are the only ones. And this is the attitude that we need to have. We are at war. Wake up. Wake up. We cannot get involved with things of the world. We are at war. And most people in our churches, the devil has won by just sitting them down. Nothing else. Some of our young people, they're just being so entertained. And that's it. And you were sat down. They put up those little things they use here. And they go like this. And they're like catatonic, you know. They're like in limbo, you know what I mean? Hours, man. Hours sitting in front of TV. Just wasting their time. They slobber all over themselves, don't even realize it. You know what I mean? And they forgot that they're at war. And that we must be courageous in order to take a hold of the kingdom of Christ. That is the message. Let me finish with this final words. One more thing. I really got to say this. I really got, I'm sorry, man, about the time. I'm sorry. Here. Jesus speaks about this violence from outside. But there's also violence against the kingdom of God from inside. That's the worst kind of violence. Violence from outside, we, we can take. We know who the enemy is. We can prepare for that kind of enemy. But when there's violence from inside, hmm. Well, pastor, what kind of violence? Well, the violence that we allow, for example, when we are too comfortable to raise a hand or to go out and witness or to establish relationships in our community. See, we're warring against the kingdom. When we have apathy in the heart and we have allowed ourselves to not be passionate for Christ anymore, that's violence against the kingdom. When you do not promote unity in the church, that is evil. Evil. Anything that attempts against unity and peace within the body of Christ is of the devil. You see, no matter if you know the, the, the New Testament in Greek by memory. See what I'm saying? It's evil. If you are not passionate about Christ and about seeking the lost, the Bible says that the reason why Jesus came was to seek and to save the lost. So this is what we are to be about because this is the most important thing in Christ's heart. And when we don't do it, we're being violent against the kingdom from inside. When we don't give of ourselves, when we don't love our brothers and sisters, when we don't pray that kingdom come, when we just don't care. You see? That's the worst part. That is what we should be praying about on our knees and crying before the Lord. Saying, Lord, just deliver us from this. You know, this is not right. This is not right. Three final words. May the evidence of the gospel of the kingdom 
become real in our lives and in our churches. May we work and pray that His kingdom be established in me, in my family, in my church, in my neighborhood, where I work. And may His will be done everywhere I go. I need to see God's will. And lastly, may we be faithful and courageous and tireless in preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. When you do it, signs and wonders will follow, as Jesus said. Amen? Let's stay at it. Stay on course. Praise the Lord. Pastor, please.